Welcome to Not Enough Champagne, a podcast that loves analysing how successful politicians are after an arbitrary period of time. A few weeks ago, we took a look at the leadership of Keir Starmer after his first anniversary of winning the Labour leadership. This week, we're jumping over the pond to talk about Joe Biden's first 100 days and his recent address to Congress where he gave his take on his administration and how it's doing so far. And we'll do it all after this jaunty theme song. Corey is still off campaigning, uh, so once more I, Steve, am reaching out to one of our many friends of the podcast to help dive into the topic. Thankfully, we have our regular American correspondent, Patrick Cook, here today to help explain the intricacies of everything uh, in current American politics. How are you doing, Patrick? I'm doing good. It's uh, sunny out and don't have to follow the presidency every day and see what bad things have happened, so that's positive. Well, that is a definite major change compared to the Trump administration, uh, and I think is uh, certainly a, a tick or a check in in Biden's favour in regards to his first 100 days. Uh, but, however, as much as it's, one, quite nice to see a Democrat in the White House, and two, not have to wake up every morning and scroll through the news feeds and then just weep openly at how ridiculous uh, the presidency is. We do need to kind of do a little bit more of a deep dive into uh, Biden's time in office so far. It's almost as though Joe Biden is look- looking to give us like easy talking points because he just so happened to hold... Uh, few days ago, uh, as of time of the recording, uh, a joint address to Congress uh, where he gave a speech for, I think it was about an hour, um, talking about all the wonderful things he's done, uh, all of the uh, things he wants to do. Basically, from his perspective and the White House perspective, a huge opportunity to set the agenda, get their message out there and everything else. Learning, as I think we've said before with you, Patrick, learning from the mistakes of the previous democratic uh, democratic administration Biden was a part of with Obama. So do you think that's one of the reasons this is actually happening, that this is like evidence of Biden just realising, hey, we need to actually talk about the things we've done, otherwise no one's actually going to listen to us? Yes, I think it's a huge I think it's a huge point that I learned from this time in the Obama administration where Obama believed and a lot of his, you know, his campaign and his lives possible said is Americans will know they're you're doing good for them. Biden definitely you can see in the way that he has done his first 100 days is basically I've done all these things. I need people to know that I did it and I was the reason why this happened. Uh, and putting it out there straight to, to to and I think there's another reason he's doing it the way too is that he knows his his policies are popular. I think also making the case directly to the American people in ways such as this kind of like makes it, it uh, easier or less hard, maybe a better way to say it, for politicians to try to push this wayside of stuff that they don't, they want to do their own things when Biden has a very, you know, has an agenda that's backed by the American people. It's a little tougher to say no to it, unlike instead of the other way. Yeah, I, I do think what's what's quite interesting here is that one of the 
possibly only kind of like semi-legitimate criticism I've seen of of Biden really from from the right-wing press and Fox News and the Republicans uh, over the past 100 days or so was about the fact that he hadn't done any press conferences direct individually for himself, basically for a good good portion of the of the 100 days he has done one now um and obviously he's done this uh joint address uh as as, as well but it is quite interesting that it just shows to me i think that the uh, biden administration are very aware of how they are trying to portray themselves and portray what they're doing because the thing they maybe were depending on your point of view a bit slow at maybe getting a a question and answer session in with uh, for biden Maybe. I don't think it was overly problematic personally, but they could have moved a bit quicker on getting one in. But the thing about those sorts of press conferences and Q&As with the president is you don't control them, the narrative in them at all. Like you are completely beholden to um, whatever the press actually ask about, which, you know, isn't necessarily great from the perspective of any administration or government or campaign wanting to kind of get their message across because all it takes is you know someone to ask one awkward question which you either don't answer it well enough or you're having a bad day you know just just a small slip of the tongue whatever suddenly that's the main story for the next three weeks but they did one of those which went fine and then the next big thing they've done is this joint address of congress there is a major part of me which suspects that we're probably going to be seeing more and more of these sorts of things from Biden as we go forward, because they're very stage managed. The, uh, you know, the, the, the White House can control what goes into it. No one's really going to turn down the opportunity to kind of like have this kind of official kind of like presentation of a uh, of, of the president giving a speech in some capacity um so they and uh, so they'll be able to kind of run it a, a relatively frequently and set the agenda uh, as a result of it because whilst the republicans do get a right of reply the fact is like the right of reply isn't necessarily going to be covered in the same kind of way it will be and the republicans said in in response rather than the republicans leading it so again, like I, I've been quite impressed by how the Biden administration has been handling their messaging and their communication strategy so far, um, and it is just it is just night and day compared to Obama. I think one of the other things too is that uh, Joe Biden is a retail polit- uh, politician. He likes to get on the one, have thoughtful conversations, shake hands, you know, high five people. Uh, hug people and he can't really super do this the other thing too is that the problem is is that it to the point of the other reason of why i would see that the biden white house would not want to do these question answer session is as a person and i I know where biden's coming from is besides him having a stutter he also has runs into a similar thing that i have which is aphasia which is we may have the thoughts that we wanted one but connecting it through our mind our mouth for it to come out in some kind of intelligent fashion takes time and like not the most quickest reflexes and it's gonna it's ask so many questions is biden gone does he have a dementia is he is it should he be president is you know is is he really too old to be president even though it's just one of those issues is that it's why he had gaffes and one it just happens to the fact that he has a you know his stuttering causes it has a thing called aphasia that comes with it because i i suffer from it it's never a good look 
And also the questions they asked, if you saw it, were not related to what's going on. It was, are you running for president in 2024? What do you think of President Trump's comments about your about your one? Do you think that do you do you think that you know uh, you know Kamala Harris is uh, upstaging you and stuff like that? Like it's never useful questions that one. And a lot of people have said, and this is what the Pod Save America crew was saying, and it's very true on that is that. They're making a deal that he hasn't had his press conference because that's what you know. That's how what how they want to control the narrative, the print to print and the you know, media narratives. And we all know that's not how people get the news. It's on Twitter. It's it's Q and A's. It's you know, it's you know, it's Q and Twitters. It's short videos. They're trying to protect the, the purpose of their jobs for, for getting this kind of one. When you know, it's not like that's the way you get your you know how you get. Uh, your connections and stuff like that it doesn't really it doesn't really exactly do that anymore and they still want to have them when they don't really make news or really do anything proper he also is really good at doing sit down one-on-one sit downs with stuff where he is open and they don't always know the questions and he will answer them well one thing that i think could be really uh, quite a nice interesting concept and i'd be surprised if they don't do some form of this moving forward is fireside chat type things where you could just grab biden bung him down in front of the fireplace in the oval office um grab a couple of friendly reporters inevitably um but you know give them kind of like access to do like long form interviews and and, and things like that so lots of different ways to be able to put uh biden in the spotlight where he's still being open discussing things setting the agenda but without kind of giving way to as you said those kind of very kind of political gossip kind of questions because yeah. that's that ultimately that's what a lot of the the, the certainly the right-wing media uh, i think in the u.s wants is that kind of gossipy type stuff uh, because it's what will allow them to set the narrative. But also the left-wing media wants it as well, because gossip generally sells. And, you know, if you if Biden ha- had answered the question, are you running in 2024, and had gone, well, of course, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to be however old he is, you know. That's far too old to, 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 to be president at that point. You know, suddenly that drastically changes the, uh, the, the, the shape of the political landscape in the US. Obviously, Biden isn't a fool and isn't going to do that, um, give that sort of answer. So even if right now he knows that he's not going to be running again for, for another term, he's not going to say that. He will just effectively lie and say, well, no, of course I'm going to be, because like by giving that answer uh, in, 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 in the affirmative, he's uh, changing rapidly what, what happens and suddenly he becomes, even though he isn't, a lame duck president. So also on your point is in there, then you're not talking about the American Jobs Act. You're not talking about the American family, a a family plan. You're not you're now talking about stuff without getting off the message of what he wants to do as president. And yeah, it's now 10 years ago, Joe Biden would have made some gaffes along that way. It would be a reason of why you wouldn't want in front of people. But now, like, it's not really the case with them. But I think those are really good. I think these joint ones putting focus on these standalones instead of these kind of like closed campaign things, which is what Trump did, or these town halls on CNN, but bringing it back to this, you know, these, there should be more joint addresses on major things. And what I like is the idea of doing a joint address to Congress instead of them doing these speeches from the hallway in the West Ring, where he's like, just because it was 10 years ago, the, you know, the Obama, we, we got him Osama bin Laden uh, uh, at press conference, which was uh, ten years yesterday. So, like, but joint addresses and and what is you know of one is I think better about trying to establish 
major policy points for one than doing these from, you know, from the White House, from the Resolute Desk, in my opinion, which, again, I should always do this once in a while. Thank you for the Resolute Desk. Uh, Given we've, we've spent a bit of time there just talking about like the the, the media strategy and, and the communication strategy of the White House. And I think we're both in agreement that actually, you know what, it's it's been pretty solid. Um, there's not been any major screw ups. Um, I think it's probably good for us to move on to the actual joint address, uh, the joint address to Congress um, itself that Biden gave. And I think the, the first thing to kind of uh, point out about this is that this is actually quite a uh, one of those seemingly increasingly common like historic moments um that seem to happen in that basically for the first time uh, ever the president of the united states was flanked by a vice president and a speaker of the uh, uh, of, of the house of representatives who were both women which has never happened before so obviously you've got um kamala harris uh, as vice president and nancy pelosi as speaker of the house and you had it's, it's it's one of those things where it is a very noticeable image that came out of it of those uh, two women um, taking the seats that behind um, the president when as as the address is, is is happening, and that's how it's always been. But yeah, it is very striking, especially when you consider like what the Republicans kind of look like at the moment in terms of who they are putting forward and all of these sorts of things. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's, I think it is a, I think it's also good. But then you get the picture of head crew sleeping and you get the people not focusing on it and and, and you get the people involved but you know it's yeah but it's a stark it's a stark one to having two women behind you know two women one being a woman of uh, of color and uh, actually weirdly enough two catholics believe it or not were in there two of the three because biden's the first catholic president since J- jfk and uh, nancy pelosi is a very devout catholic if you didn't know that. <laughs> I did not know that. He spent the first part of the address talking about, you know, that hot button issue of the day, the coronavirus pandemic. I don't think he ne- act, ever actually said, you know, look how terrible the previous administration was, compare that to how wonderful we're doing. But that was kind of like the implied <laughs> narrative that they were going for there. I mean, he highlighted that now like 90% of Americans live within like a couple of miles of a vaccination site. You know, the vaccine is available to everybody over the age of 16. You know, it is an impressive change of pace when you consider that um, when Biden first came in, they'd run out of vaccine because Trump's administration hadn't ordered enough. Very early on in this uh, in, in, in this speech, Biden goes hard on trying to demonstrate, hey, look how great we are. Look what we're doing and look how incredible we, we are compared to everybody else. But then in a way that doesn't seem overtly hostile to Trump or the Republicans, in a kind of a nod towards bipartisanship, but we'll kind of get onto bipartisanship as a as a notion later on. Um, but yeah, so any any real thoughts on like the pandemic progress and uh, and, and the vaccination rollout uh, from from your side and what what Biden said about it? It's kind of amazing as they walked into there was in the Trump plan of it was we got it. We got it. We got the vaccine created. Okay, uh, states, you go do your thing. Go make it happen. You have a vaccine now. Uh, you know, go do things. And so it's kind of amazing to me that if you think about it from where we were in January to where we are now in the, you know, the literally, you know, f- first Sunday in May, uh, the fact that like 
we're 30 percent is fully vaccinated in this country. Right. They're now at the point where, you know, they were doing four. He hit his 100 million shots in 60 days, upped it to 200. Oh, and that's another thing to his messaging. He's picking goals that he knows he's going to crush to sound big. And that's like a huge one instead of saying, I'll do 100 shots one. Oh, that's a huge number when he knows that it's possible to do. And then like, by the way, then I'm going to, you know what? I'm doubling down. Now it's 200. And he had 200 in 100 days, right? It's amazing to where it is. And, you know, um, you know, it's, it's completely open. Uh, You know, there was, you know, he's done a really good job in a short time. Could you make the case that it could be better? Absolutely. Maybe the, you know, the coordination between all the various level of states and the fact that we didn't have a digital first version of our coronavirus card, uh, you know, that it's a coronavirus card. And yeah, but it's kind of amazing of where, you know, we are, where everybody of adults family, if my family is all vaccinated in the state of New York, which is a big and kind of defunctional state, but like, the world's kind of opening up and people are start ones and our numbers are dropping. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive what he's doing. We're like one of the, we're on maybe the first large country to maybe get to 75%. If MAGA, MAGA aligned people will take it. That's the biggest issue is now trying to get vaccine hesitancy down, but it's still pretty amazing, you know, and it's, it's, it's an example of why you kind of want someone like Biden, long-term politician knows his way around the executive branch and how to do stuff of an actual person that wants to run government instead of a showman. Do you think that point you made though, about um, Biden knowingly under promising so that he can over deliver is almost as though Joe Biden was campaigning as a moderate governing as a radical in that yeah. very possibly over-talked about way when it comes to online internet discourse concerning <laughs> the left across the world, not just in the UK and the US. Um, but yeah, so the pandemic stuff is, yeah, I think it's very hard to kind of like pick any holes in in, in what the Biden administration has done, if only because what came before was yeah. so terrible so so terrible in across every every kind of now what was interesting in relation to this though was this was one of the areas where the um, republicans did try and go on the attack in their response that they, they seem to have kind of adopted this narrative oh schools should have opened up sooner i mean what what, what do you feel about that what's your thoughts on that as like a, a narrative for them i don't fault them for doing that but their concept is like we should open these schools up or earlier now all these kids aren't going to have you know this they're all gonna you know they lost the years and stuff like that hopefully the idea what is that that's what middle class white people care about so people in the suburbs that are trying to get back of their voters and these people of what you know this that that kind of care about it it would be like along the lines of if that doesn't work it'd be like churches should have been allowed to worship earlier you could see them doing that question it goes it doesn't surprise me because they're they're the ones who believe the fact that younger people kids couldn't get it so why are they not going to school completely missing the point that adults also are um uh, in said schools and, uh, you know, kids could bring it, maybe they don't get it, but could carry the va- one to older people that work in, and then that can then bring it or the other kid to their family. That's the issue with the Republicans is the issue with the Republicans is they don't have a lot to go against Biden when it comes to policy and economics and economic man one success of what with the American rescue plan and how it's viewed by American people. And for that matter, American jobs plan, they don't have much in the neck to compete on the economic one because it splits their party. Their party is split on economic views of how to solve the economy. But where they are 
unified is cultural, social, socio-cultural issue. Your kids are falling behind because they should open up schools and Biden's to blame is something that that party is unified that they feel that they can make one because they can't fight against some of the, they can't go against them. So I think it's odd. I think it should have been more focused on there's waste in his proposals. Here's how the Republican economic method would be met, met, uh, plan would be different. It'd be more targeted towards towards it and stuff like that. It's weird. To be honest with you, it's weird. I think your focus on the economics side of things is kind of reflected in an awful lot of what the Biden administration are kind of thinking as well. Because if you if you look at like a lot of the rest of the the joint address, uh, the joint address, there's something very Bill Clinton like in 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 the messaging and what they were talking about. In it, it's very much it's the economy stupid as that central tenant behind everything. The thing that I found fascinating was Biden uttered one sentence, which I just think really just makes, shows the kind of like shift in terms of like the Overton window, in, in at least at the very least in terms of like the Democratic Party, in terms of what's, what's acceptable to say and, and all of that when it comes to economics. Biden basically said trickle down economics has never worked. That is unthinkable that any president of the USA, of any party would say that and Biden just dropped it pretty much casually very well thought out casually obviously like every line in a presidential address is but gets dropped in not as the main point but a lot of kind as a bit of red meat to feed to like the liberal wing of the democratic party but also being an an accurate assessment that trickle down economics doesn't function uh, in, in the way everybody has talked about it functioning ever since Reagan. Feels like it's a, a dangling a red flag in front of the Republicans and just daring them, absolutely daring them to go for it. Whether or yeah. not they, they're, they're sensible, because like, uh, I can't remember the the, the, the name of the uh, the guy that the Republicans got to give their their response. Um, Tim Scott. Tim Scott, yeah. Traditionally, the uh, response to these sorts of things are given to like up-and-comers or people that are meant to be like up-and-comers anyway. Like, I don't think Tim Scott really met, went, mentioned this or went after it at all from, 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 from what I've seen. So maybe the Republicans are being sensible and avoiding this, but I think it's quite ingenious on, on Biden's part to just kind of dangle this little... This, this this little thing just daring them to come at them for, for this because clearly if they've put that in there this is an argument that the Biden administration feels they can win in some capacity and again when you look at uh, uh, what a lot of their focus is in terms of expenditure like the American Rescue Plan um, you know the Infrastructure Act all of these different things it's all about government spending in, in, in one form or another, not trickle-down economics. This is about the only real attack he did in terms of policies of the of the Trump of the Trump administration. Attacks Trump's tax cuts and then says trickle-down economics doesn't work. They are, I feel like gagging for a fight on this on this front. Um, and I just think it's fascinating that we have a Democratic president and Joe Biden, of all people, being, uh, you know, really happy and prepared to have this fight on this terrain. It, it, it's fascinating to me. Long in a basically 50-50 Senate. Ballsy movement. I'm here for it. I'm here for every minute of it. It's fantastic to see. Like the, uh, the, the attack on uh, Trump's tax cuts, I think, is actually the real meaningful thing there, because 
that means they're not good. They're, I think they're going to go to to change them in some capacity. I suspect the tax hikes, which are basically built in for the middle class as part of Trump Trump's uh, tax cuts, happen. Um, they're at the very least going to cancel those, and I suspect try and balance it out by reversing um, the, the the cuts that were being made to higher end earners. I think also on the tax part, there's a couple of things. Uh, it's it's it is apparently a non-start. It is like an important thing to suburban Democrats, particularly New York, New Jersey, or states that have high property taxes of what they call salt state and local taxes currently under as as a as in, you know, as yourself of like one of those like isn't a tax hike, but is a tax hike to middle class was salt was limited to 10K. So you could only write up off to state and local. So property taxes, local property taxes are stuff up to 10K on there. There's a lot of people want to see that removed. Yeah, that tends to kind of um, affect mostly upper to middle class. But uh, as a person who's looking for a house in a town that's 70 miles north of New York City, I would pay close to about 9,000 in property taxes. And I'm not well off by any means, you know, on, on the average one, it affects it. But like, I think the other thing you'll see is in knowing that he is really, really big about stuff in, in the details, it will be interesting to see what they do in terms of property, corporate tax breaks and write-offs that they can do that are being taken affected by a GE, an Amazon, a Target, a Walmart to lower their overall tax bill. So that will be interesting. May the rate may not go up much, but they may find, well, we'll get rid of this tax break and this tax break and this subsidy to make it revenue positive without really raising taxes. So that's what I think to look for. So all of that sort of stuff is, is stuff that can be done via reconciliation uh, a lot of the time. So it's 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 fine to get through, and it's things that will still make a difference to people's lives and livelihoods, and send send quite meaningful political messages. The overall focus on, as you say, like Trump's tax cuts, like trickle down economics doesn't work. It's it's very much drawing a line in the sand. I feel for for the Republicans, daring them to step over it. Um, and to and to make their case because it's a case that they they can't really do very well at, at the moment. It, it, it would be a fight very much on Biden's terms. But let's again moving away from the the the, the messaging. Go back to as I said, a lot of this speech was very much Clinton esque. It's the economy, stupid. Um, spent a lot of time talking about you know uh, the impacts of the coronavirus uh, and the pandemic you know 20 million americans losing their jobs biden called um, the economic situation the worst economic crisis since the great depression i don't think there's much hyperbole there and of course made the case for you know his uh, policies already beginning to help in the economy and one of the, t- the the two kind of core things that were kind of pointed out here were that uh, an additional one thousand four hundred uh, dollar checks sent out to eighty five percent of Americans, and an additional one point three million jobs in the first three months of uh, Biden being in office, which is a new record in terms of jobs creation. You know, you, you know those things that, that Donald Trump actually claimed to be doing and breaking all the time. Well, Biden's actually done it. It is a very decent start at least from the administration's perspective they're obviously cha- uh, championing championing this as a huge success how accurate do you think that is do you do you think it they, they're blowing their own trumpet a little bit too much or do you think it's actually a fair assessment to say that you know they've 
they've really made a difference there. That's always the case in American politics of blowing your own trumpet. Uh, whether it's, but whether it's how loud are they blowing said trumpet? I think in the case of, well, I think in the case of Biden, Trump's numbers weren't weren't terrible related to the one. Yes, there's a lot of stuff, but yes, there has been two other iterations of the stimulus bill that prior to the American Rescue Plan that were created that stabilized a lot of ones, but they were not super targeted towards small businesses. They were a little bit more of kind of giveaways, don't try to prove your things. Comes to the American Rescue Plan and the related to the PPPs, the Pay Tax Protection Program, was more targeted to you need to have marked and improvement and prove to yourself that, that you're saving people's jobs instead of just using his write-off. Because of his response to the vaccine rollout and stuff like that was able to show improvements to the economy that look to be, you know, more sustainable instead of temporary until there's another surge, which is what which is what kind of you know, Trump had had some money, we'll give some money and then it dropped down when everybody had locked down. There seems to be more sustained growth. I also think that his numbers came what they expected earlier than they would have seen these numbers, which possibly could see that we could see back to full employment or what where we were prior to the crisis, maybe a year or two years earlier. And it would take something like the American Family Plan and American Jobs ones to see the sustained growth that we'd want to see. So, yeah, I do think it's maybe a little bit too early, but it's a good start. I mean, I, I think you're probably right there. But again, like a number of the things that you just mentioned in passing there, particularly the American Jobs Plan, were, were a massive part of Biden's focus. 2.3 trillion bill centered on infrastructure development. Basically, the, the, the core of the message around that being it will create millions of new jobs over the next 10 years or so and uh, help the US compete with China. Republicans really don't like it. They've been complaining uh, about that. Oh, it's not really an infrastructure bill because it doesn't just build roads, railways and bridges. The Democrats and Biden have the audacity to think that broadband and high-speed internet connections or just regular old internet connections should be considered, you know, infrastructure in the 21st century. How very radical and, and, and how dare they. Shocking that they would take these things that are essential to running businesses and people's lives in the 21st century and try and improve them. And also probably going to target a lot of Republican congressmen's districts since they mostly represent rural areas. Oh, and here's the other thing. They're probably in American fashion. That new broadband is going to be controlled by a private co corporation that probably gives to Republicans. So why are you? Uh, oh, and the other thing is that you gave money to passenger rail. Everybody needs a car in America. Why are you doing that? <laughs> Why would you make why would you try to, you know, make small changes to making the climate climate to climate change by investing in more efficient use of uh, of, of tax dollars and roads? Well, it's, uh, you it's, know, yeah. it, here's the thing with the Republicans. <laughs> They're complaining that this isn't like, you know, that you're not giving you're giving too much money to things that aren't the railways and things like that. But then also complaining that you're giving money to the railways yeah. to, to do things. So like their, their left hand does not know what their right hand is doing when it comes to this. And I think that kind of just shows the absolute mess that they're in in regards to this because they know it's going to be popular. I mean, it already yeah. is popular. Like the, yeah. the polling suggests that the, uh, the, 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 the uh, decent sized majority, I think it's pushing two thirds, yeah. um, support this plan. It's going to be interesting seeing how they navigate that. But again, park that because... In a minute or two, we'll we'll talk about the uh, bipartisanship um, uh, issue that uh, is kind of 
dangling nearby Biden. Yeah. I can't say it's like like around his neck and it's it's like threatening to throttle him because it's 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 not, Biden's but... it's the Biden shade of bipartisanship. Yeah, but but. but... I'd like to discuss the American family plans because that's very radical and very like I don't want to say like the thing that probably uh, it, it Bernie Sanders been like it's my time to shine. I've been doing this whole year. Let's do this. But and it's a it's a it's kind of more or less a it is more or less like a, an example of Biden moving to where the middle of the part the Democratic Party is. But American Family Plan basically one one of the major things American Family Plan is take the things like the Cobra two year Cobra extension for um, hey you lost your job instead of paying seven k to keep your health insurance since you can't move to Medicare because you made too much money making that permanent if you've been laid off the child poverty tax credit is uh is is permanent is huge but then paid family leave 12 weeks of paid family leave uh, instead of making and moving up off of what's called fmla which is existing where you get 12 weeks but you have to use all of your vacation time and all of your time off your one and then after that becomes unpaid is a huge thing to the social safety net because if the pandemic has shown us that like there's no self, self social safety net, free college tuition for community colleges. And there's like these huge things that Democrats have been wanting to do, but for lack of a better term, nobody had the balls to do it or take on the Republicans, let them control it. It's huge. And those three bills as part of this, if that's the only thing they get done policy-wise this year, are huge, huge policies that Demo- Democrats have been talking about for years to actually get it done. I don't think Joe F. and Manchin is going to really have problems with a lot of stuff in the American Family Plan because it affects because it, you know it's it's it, it's mostly on the government and not on, on on infringing the rights of private businesses. But these are like LBG Great Society like things, but for the economy and trying to get the middle class. And that's something that will be hard to in twenty twenty two for Republicans to say that's bad for you. 12 weeks of paid family leave is bad for you because your taxes went up. You now can't lose your job if you get sick. Isn't that the worst? Area that I've seen the most kind of like discourse online about in regards to this has been community colleges. Encouraging the creation of more of these sorts of institutions. Because it's really quite interesting because like in... In, from my perspective as a, as a complete outsider to, to like the American education system, my only knowledge of community colleges comes from the TV show Community, um, great as it is, and, you know, a few kind of disparaging jokes that get made on, uh, I don't know, like The Simpsons when, when Lisa realises, oh, no, she might have to go to a community college rather than Yale or, or, or whatever, that, that kind of thing. They are things which have been largely presented as, like, a punchline in, in, in some capacity. It, it's really interesting to see the left kind of rally behind this uh, as, as a, an, an alternative to the, lack of a better term, elite institutions where, you know, there's there's been a lot of stuff um, kind of problems with them, not just in terms of like the cost of going to them and everything, but also just um, 
I've been uh, I've just started reading the Tyranny of Merit by Michael Sandel, and it um, outlines as in, in in there as it like its example of how kind of like merit as a notion is kind of failing and meritocracy is failing by the fact that there were like the FBI ended up kind of built uh, doing huge investigations into a company that was basically just falsifying people's documents and grades and sports results and things like that to try and get kids into elite universities when they they shouldn't have been getting in. And so there does seem to be this, at least on the left, when it comes to, to Twitter, this notion that we need to build up um, alternatives to these very expensive uh, elite institutions that can actually enable people to get uh, affordable an affordable education in some capacity. So I think we could do a whole episode on community college and, and, and its purposes to, to the one, because there's no such thing as what you guys have in this country as an apprenticeship program where they're paid to take on younger people. So it, I will use my wonderful state of New York. So my wonderful state of New York has the SUNY system, State University of New York system. I am a SUNY grad uh, of a four-year SUNY grad, but they also have two-year programs, which are usually most likely by county or multiple counties and usually funded half by the state and half by community and half by uh, the county, which is the case of um, uh, which is the case of the what I do I live in. I have a lot of friends that went to community colleges, did two years before they figured out what they wanted to do. And then went to a SUNY school because the credits completely transfer as core credits too. But also community colleges teach auto body work. They teach woodworking. They teach welding. They teach, you know, they teach vocational things. And the problem with the U.S. right now is the U.S. tends to not have, you know, with, with un- labor unions and union starting one, the trade skilled trades is not replaced by anywhere. It's not taught in high schools anymore like it used to, that there's a place for a better bang for your buck investing in vocational and community colleges for vocational, teaching them the basic ones so that the average high school high school graduate doesn't who doesn't really have either the money or maybe feels that he could get in through all four years of one could still get a well-paying job by getting some of these skills that that one. And it's, it's, it's a place where community colleges, and this is why I really like Biden is he sees the part is he's a public school grad. He's the first president in a while to be one. I think he's from went to university of Delaware or Delaware state, one of the two in uh, Delaware. And it, and it's, uh, it, it's seeing that, you know, the average person doesn't go to these pens and stuff like that. They go to SUNY schools like I do in New York, right? Cause we don't have a ton of money, but making those free, allows a lot of people that otherwise would end up trying to find a job based on high school degree have the chance to go back and do it even if do later in life to learn a skill that's in demand instead of getting a four-year degree that's the thing about new york thing a big four-year degree in this country uh in degrees that aren't exactly what they need for the for the economy friends people with art history degrees as my example um not uh, saying you, it, you, not saying you, it's you, wrong, but I, in my example, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> as a part, of, as a person has a degree in economics, now works in IT. It shows the point that what I did for schooling is not what I end up doing for a career. I mean, so, 100%. like community college allows a more targeted for people. So it's huge to see that. The other thing in the American Families Plan is also the pre-K, universal pre-K. Yeah. Because right now, if they go into kindergarten, which starts at age usually age five. There's not really a place for them to do any early education uh, other or if the, if you have, you know, middle class or upper middle class and could pay for a daycare. Right. So now universal pre-K allows does two things, too. It allows, you know, 
kids to get a better start, uh, better start early on in, in, in their in the development. It also allows a parent to have a job instead of if they couldn't afford for a babysitter or day daycare. The, the more I've read about this, the the, the more it, it seems like a, a bit of a no brainer. Uh, in terms of like why the Democrats would run with it, uh, yeah. So I think on that we're we're probably kind of like we've we'll re- reached the amount of time we could we, we've got available to kind of delve into this. There's there's so much more we could talk about just because as I said, it was an hour long speech that um, Biden gave, and we've only just kind of scratched the surface. There was some other stuff about kind of like cancer and, and bits and pieces in there, which was like about the only actual thing that seemed to actually get the Republicans kind of on board and like cheering and or at least kind of like affording and, and everything. So that, that there's an awful lot in there. And uh, if you are, are interested, listen, I would recommend actually going to uh, give it a bit of a listen or find the transcript uh, and, and dig into it yourself, because it is quite possibly going to be one of those, one of those speeches that we do actually study in the future for when we, when we are looking at history, um, history tech, uh, writing the history books and things like that moving. That will be it for this episode then. Um, let's see if I can remember all of Corey's bits and pieces from uh, for, for the outro. If you want to find uh, read more from us, you can head over to notenoughchampagne.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at NoChampagnePod or Facebook.com slash NotEnoughChampagne. Uh, our theme song was produced by Dave Depper. It's called Clicky Good Times. James Cram designed our like artwork for the for the podcast. And if you want to uh, help out the podcast in other ways, you can head over to Patreon.com where you can throw us a few quid every month uh, to help fund the uh, podcast as long as we're able to keep the costs going we can keep doing this in perpetuity um so we're very grateful for our backers over there um you will get you know unique episodes uh you will get like access to blogs discussions roundtables all of these various bits and pieces of things we've done in the past um so yeah patreon.com slash not enough champagne for that my name is steve haynes you can find me uh, online on twitter at acoustic radical uh patrick what's your twitter handle (laughs) Uh, at pcook11 come say hi i love talking uh i love the conversations i have with sally uh steve's mom whenever something big happens in america she asks she asks for my opinion so i'm i'm able to it so i love discussing this stuff come say hi at pcook11 and with that hopefully next time you hear my voice it will be after Corey does uh the traditional intro with him being back until then happy plotting (laughs) 